The Boogie Monster with Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone. You'll find out what happened to Frankenstein and other stuff that never happened. Freaking nerds. The Boogie Monster. Podcasting the unknown. What a f- How are you, Dave? Oh, I'm okay, I guess. Yeah? I don't know. I <laughs> We were talking off air. Uh, mm. I, I try, you know, I try to remain a positive person in general throughout my life but for for whatever reason last week or so uh hard to hard to be positive hard to be in a good mood for I'm, what uh, for whatever reason <laughs> yeah for whatever reason I you can't know put my the, finger on it the maybe the world crumbling all around us it's uh mm-hmm. yeah but seriously I, I do a good job uh i thought of not letting outside stuff affect my mood uh, you know, I work small to big, handle my stuff, but, uh, man, I've just been in a shitty mood all week. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, uh, and, and yes. And I'm sure a lot, I, I would be more nervous for the person that's skipping and whistling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, let's, well, I'll, you know what? I, because I know this is what we're going to talk about. I'll uh-huh. say some, uh, some good news. Got my big old telescope out last night. Okay. I could, uh, I could see the rings around Saturn. Really? That was awesome. Not super now clear, but you could see the planet with the rings going around it. And it for a, it was hard to believe that that's a thing that you could just get yeah. and have for yourself and see that much into space with just a metal tube with mirrors in it. I'm really dumb when it comes to astronomy. Uh, I'm assuming that's something that you could never see with your naked eye. Is that correct? No. Well, last night you could see the moon. If you're looking at the moon, uh huh. It was real clear. Friday was full moon, so this would be Sunday night. I was out. Uh, so the moon, pretty big, not quite full, but pretty big. And then to the left of it, you'll see two bright spots. Maybe if you're listening to this t- on Tuesday today. You can still go out and see it, maybe. Okay. But there'll be two, it looks like, really bright stars next to the moon, just to the left of it. Uh Uh-huh. And that's Jupiter and Saturn. So I saw Jupiter, and it was, I mean, it was hard, but you could tell it was, you can kind of see that it was Jupiter with the little storm storm clouds on it, Uh and then looked at Saturn. And I I was was pretty, uh, I was getting into my cups last night. So it was about one in the morning. I was just drunk in the alley, being a fucking loon. But I was like, "Man, if I could see those rings, it's gonna be something else." And I looked, and I was just like, in the alley at one a.m., like, "Fucking no way, dude!" Like, there's nobody out there with me, and I was going full Spicoli on the fact that I could see Saturn. Because <laughs> you know, like I said, everything's kind of miserable and terrible out there. So I'm sure you got to find some wonder and amazement in some other places, and. Oh boy! Thank God for this telescope letting me go. Like, yeah, Earth sucks, man. Out there looks pretty cool. That's awesome. So yeah, if you, and you can get an app that says it's like a it's called Sky Guide or whatever. And you just I don't know if I was talking about it before. You just point it at the sky and it'll tell you mm-hmm. what star is what, which constellations what. So that's how I knew that was Jupiter and Saturn. I didn't just like look at it and find out for myself. I used Sky my Guide. App. 
Sky Guide or Star Mapper or something. You can look it up and figure out which one you want to get. That's but awesome. It, you po- point it up at the sky and it shows you what everything is. It's a pretty neat uh, little escape in the midst of uh, the world ending. Yeah, I know the uh, moon, the North Star, and the Big Dipper, and maybe the Little Dipper, and that's about it. That's all that, I can identify with my naked eye. So, yeah, after a few beers, I'm like, that's Orion's belt, and I don't point at anything in particular. <laughs> I just kind of point at the sky in general. But so that well, that's was awesome that, that you're having yeah, fun with that. That was a, a neat thing. So in a week of and and, and, I, and I went and I and I explored an abandoned gold mine. Oh yeah, and that was neat. Also, where'd you do that at? Up in uh, up in the uh, up in the hills. Okay, you know you don't want to blow up these spots too much. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's up okay. in the hills. It was uh, it's good. Did a bike ride to a hike, and then there's a, it. You know how like, I only knew stuff from like like when Disney would recreate like here's a wild uh, gold mine ride or something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, this stuff is a fun ride. And then, but when you go to the actual place, it's like, oh, Disney did a good job. It looks like that. And I'm not taking That's it seriously. Cool. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be leaning on these wood pylons that are holding the mountain up because this isn't a Disney ride. It's the real world. And <laughs> this thing's from the 1800s. How far up in there did you get? I think we got through mo- anything you could access. We got through most of it. So okay. we did, uh, you know, we probably did a. Uh, 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 maybe a total of like a mile's worth of walking inside of the mine. Wow. It's cool, man. I'll take you there. We just got to, you know, you don't want to blow it up. Because then you blow, you blow up the spot, then they got to close it up again. So sorry, everybody. But if you're in Southern California, you could probably you could probably figure it out. Just like my grandmother used to say, never blow up the spot. Don't blow up that spot, man. No. Granny, knew, Granny knew what was up. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> having discovered uh, a secret place in the mountain... That's kind of like one of the stories for this week. Is oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, I was taking a big swig on my white Russian. Um, Ooh, white Russian. Nice. Yeah, man. Well, white I don't Russian. even know if it's a white Russian. Um, I'm sure this is a drink. I'm not uh, trying to pretend that I made this up. But uh, white Russian, but instead of vodka, I'm using bourbon. Little, uh, little bourbon, little Kahlua, little half and half. Oh, boy. Good times. Really, I'm having fun over here, man. I what, they, what is that? that? That's like a like a. I don't know what you would call it. That's not a white Russian. That's like a a black Russian, Irish Hawaiian. Hmm. I no black. What's black Russian is with uh, just no half and half. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So just Kahlua and vodka. Somebody who was I talked to? They they would drink milk with scotch. Ugh, I never heard They'd of that. I've heard of milk like, and vodka. But. Yeah, and I don't know if it was like for people that had ulcers, but were still booze bags or something. Huh. Interesting. But uh, um, yeah, the, the treasure. Let's talk about the treasure. Yeah, the treasure. Uh, I don't know if people have heard of this, uh, but this dude named Forrest Finn. He's a uh, retired, uh, like uh, art dealer and and, and collector. 
And uh, back in 1988, he got cancer. And, and by the way, he's, he's a millionaire several times over. But back, uh, was it, 32 years ago, he got cancer, and he had this idea. Before he died, he wanted to leave some of his valuables and some of his uh, the things that he has obtained and collected over the years in the art world and antiques and rare coins and whatnot. He wanted to uh, leave it uh, treasure style somewhere, uh, but he survived the cancer and he never got around to doing it, doing that initially. But about ten years ago, he finally uh, he finally did it. So somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, he hid uh, just a big treasure that's estimated somewhere between two and five million dollars, depending on who you ask. And uh, I guess just hundreds and thousands of people over the last uh, decade or so have uh, attempted. To find this thing, he he wrote uh, a poem. He released some poems or short stories or something that had all these clues. The clues were in there. And, yeah. yeah, and uh, it says here in this article that at least four people have died trying to find the treasure. But apparently, this week uh, somebody found it, and he's not given much details. Uh, he, he he doesn't say exactly where or exactly what was in it. Uh, but the person who found it took a picture of it and sent it to him uh, as confirmation of, "Hey, I found your treasure." And, uh, yeah, dude, how rad is that to just find, um, let me try, I got some more notes here. Uh, I mean, I'd give it up for the treasure hunters, but give it up for the, yeah. tre- the treasure hiders. Yeah. We need more treasure cool. hiders. That is pretty cool. He, uh, the treasure was placed in a 13th century, uh, Romanesque bronze chest, and it was hidden somewhere between 2009 2010 uh, with an estimated, some reports say $2 million, I've seen other reports say $5 million, uh, worth of gold, jewelry, gems, and other stuff. And uh, it has now since been found somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, uh, but, but no one will say specifically. I thought it was like, where. yeah, like northern New Mexico or something. Yeah, uh, I think possibly. I think that's where he lives. He lives in New Mexico. Uh, so, yeah, probably uh, somewhere in New Mexico or Colorado, I would assume, is where he hid this. But, yeah, yeah, that has, that has been found. How cool is that? How cool would it be to find a treasure? Yeah, like hide, hide in the treasure. Like, yeah, yeah, the bike club would leave stuff, and I don't know if they would put, like, coordinates on a map, so you'd have to do, like, a crazy bike ride to get to, get to the stuff. Uh-huh. But just, to, you know, like a scavenger hunts. But with actual treasure, yeah. how about it? That's fun. I like when radio stations are like, all right, we got two tickets hidden at this location. I love a scavenger you hunt. Know. Dave loves a scavenger <laughs> hunt. I really do. We should start doing some uh, We should organize some sort of scavenger <laughs> hunt. Wasn't that like a hot thing a while ago? Like a hot foot like back when uh, all the children's shit was coming back around, like everybody's playing kickball and dodgeball. Huh. And then I think scavenger hunts came in hmm. as a thing. Remember when there was a moment where everybody was just uh, like hip, playful hipsters? Oh, yeah. I was in a kickball league about 10 years ago. Yeah? Yeah. Boring as shit. Go out something. It was boring? <laughs> it was so boring, but it was something to do. It just, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I was like, yeah, I'll sign up for kickball because when I was a kid, my life revolved around kickball. Like, oh, I loved it. And then as an adult, it's like, okay, all right. Hey, I kicked the ball. Now I'm running. <clears throat> I see why this is, that didn't make it to pro sports. <laughs> I don't know. But no, it's, it's a good, it was a fun social thing. But uh, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was just a little let down by the intensity of the kickball games. 
Yeah, that was always one of the funnier sounds and happenings during recess is uh, uh, the pitcher getting uh, just absolutely uh, demolished by uh, like a line drive mm-hmm. kick from like one of the kids that was on junior soccer. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll play kickball and just wailing that red playground oh. ball right into some unsuspecting, usually me, twerp out in the field. Now, dodgeball or battle ball, that was a different story. I, I love that. I, I, I would sign up today for an adult battle ball league. That'd be fun. <laughs> I just read some. I don't know if it's true. I read some. Was it uh, Billy Madison mm-hmm. where he's like doing dodgeball and hitting all the kids, and they were actually hitting the kids for real. Oh, really? So you don't see them more than once because <laughs> they would hit them real hard and they'd cry. <laughs> Yeah, I could I could buy that because yeah, looking back on that scene, like he was he was slinging it in there. Yeah, it's a real Sam Peckinpah <laughs> method directing. <laughs> oh boy, what else going on, man? I mean, outside of all the stuff we're gonna talk mm-hmm. about, I guess nothing. No. Spelunked in an abandoned mine. Yeah, saw Saturn. There you go. That stuff was dope. Other than that, trying to not be miserable mm-hmm. about the demise of the world. Yeah, before we get... I think it's good. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe it's actually getting good, because the, the protests have been largely peaceful, yeah. except for the cops. Except for the cops. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm saying. Anybody who's using, like, the like, well, they're looting. I'm like, take a minute to look at the number of people mm-hmm. that are out. Yeah. If they were all fucking things up... There wouldn't be a city left. Mm-hmm. If all of those thousands of people were rioting and, and looting as much as you want, or someone would want to lump them in and make the whole group bad because of it, the city wouldn't be left standing. That's true. So I think that narrative's pretty useless. Yeah, there's some shitbags out there. Uh, man, even my hometown, even old Addison, Illinois, had some had a protest. Rarely do I get to say that, but good on you. Good on you, Addison, Illinois. That's awesome. I was just reading an article today about the small-town protest. I mean, it's obvious that the big cities are going to protest, but... uh and the point of the article was just highlighting uh, how many small towns were protesting, like just places you wouldn't even think of, places, small towns in Kentucky, small towns in Arkansas, small towns in North Carolina. And, and yeah. some of them literally were like one or two people, but just the um, highlighting the premise of if just one or two people are out there in a small town of a couple of hundred, uh, that can make a change of like seeing your neighbor like, oh, these rural communities, you know, we don't really think about social justice too much. But yeah. uh, Mike over there's got a cardboard sign. So uh, what's what's he trying to talk about today? Hell yeah! Or if like, oh, I'd feel embarrassed being out there by myself. But they're out there by themselves. Well, if I go out there, they won't be by themselves. I won't be by them mm-hmm. by myself. Yeah, and I'd say good on it. Hopefully, there's follow through. I know that's the concern. Is you know, don't let it just be performative. Don't let it just be something you're doing so you can get. Mm-hmm. Internet likes or whatever. Oh. Like, oh, the big, the big favorite is seeing the the, uh, the internet influencers getting their uh, protest photos mm. taken, and then f- people finding out who they are, and then them getting fired. I'm like, ah, that's that's pretty cool. Did you see uh, the lady in Santa Monica with the with the drill getting her picture oh, yeah. made? Oh, that yeah, made she me want to vomit. She was a writer, and she ain't a writer at that place Good. anymore. Good, fuck off. That's disgusting. Uh, yeah, well, th- and I'd say too, like like the amount of 
like, well, okay, I, if it's the mix of like, all right, well, nobody's at work, so you got to go out and protest. I was always a little cynical when I'd hear like, oh, these high school students walked out. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think some of them have the right idea, but fuck, if you knew you could walk out of high school without, percu- you know, uh, any kind of repercussions, I, I don't know if they're really for the cause. But now they're not even in high school, mm-hmm. and they're just out marching. So good on you for that. Yeah, good for them. Uh, yeah, that's the the thing we're telling. All right, well, but okay, what is it, man? Is everybody going to get fucking COVID in two weeks? Yeah, that's definitely I don't, something I've I don't been thinking want about. To, no. I don't want them to get it. But I, I, part of me is like, if they don't, if there's not this huge spike in COVID cases in two mm-hmm. weeks, is it that we were all overreacting the whole time about how contagious it is? Is it that the media was happy to spin it? Uh, you know the, the 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 more liberal mainstream media was. I, can't, I hate that I'm saying those words mm-hmm. in an accusatory manner, Dave. But <laughs> <clears throat> that like, oh, it was always like, well, look at these states that opened up too early. They got it. Oh man, there's a spike in a place where people went to church, so they had a spike. They better report on the same kind of shit from these protests. Not mm-hmm. that I want people to have it, but if that's the truth, then don't be biased and report on both sides of it. Yeah, no, and I get the rights complaint right now of, like, everybody was chastising us a month ago for protesting the economy shutdown, but now everybody's out pro. Well, yeah, I get that argument, but what are we, I mean, something had to be done about this injustice, I, I, you know? But I don't want, what if, what if, what if there isn't a spike? Mm Mm-hmm. And then that just gives every conspiracy nut even more of a reason to be like, see, it was a hoax. It was all this. Mm-hmm. When maybe it was like, all right, well, maybe we just did took it too seriously. I don't know. I'm having a hard time to find a side to agree with right now, Dave. <laughs> just cracked 110,000 deaths in the United States. 110,000. Yeah. Almost uh, 1.9 million cases. And that's just in the U.S. But yeah, I'm sure there's going to be. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, if there's not a spike, then what does that mean? Mm. Buddy. Yeah, hey, man, USA number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got, uh, we got uh, un- unmarked. Uh, soldiers in the streets yeah unidentifiable sh- soldiers in the streets mm-hmm. uh, cool uh an un, uh, 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 um, uh, militia a government militia mm-hmm. without uh without any kind of uh tracking cool stuff man hey cool cool stuff and i i'm speaking out of my ass here a little bit and we'll we'll soon get to why i'm not speaking completely out of my ass um but i'm assuming with law enforcement uh it just seems like part of the drill is identifying yourself in some manner, either with your uniform or your badge or nameplate. Or it just seems unethical to enforce law with with anonymity. That just yeah, seems well, a bit odd to me. Yeah, no accountability. Mm-hmm. Well, the police that are getting pissed off that like the old guy that got shoved over in Buffalo, and then they were all up in arms about it. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, well, because you lied, because you're accountable, because it's on video, and we all saw it. The old guy was provoking him. Well, as a police officer, maybe you'd see a 75-year-old man. Yeah. And as you were saying, have some, just be a little discerning. Yeah, with use some discretion. Use some discretion. But no. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then all the, <laughs> and then, like, uh, so many citizens showed up to protest that those officers got fired or suspended, whatever happened to them. But there were civilians outside the, uh, a few days later, outside the Buffalo Police Department, like, protesting that those two officers received any type of disciplinary action. Like, dude, it's on video. You completely... Now, if that, uh, 75 years old or not, if he was up there in your face wielding a machete, then, yeah, you do what you got to do to protect yourself. But I don't believe that was the case. And... It, I mean, yeah, he approached the officers, but Jesus, to just push him down, and then everybody just kept walking. Hey, fuck that old man. I mean, I mean, yeah. every day it's a new case. Every day it's a new video of like, holy shit. And like I said, with the initial thing with George Floyd, I'm talking videos and examples where there's almost no gray area. Like, what the fuck? When somebody pointed out, like, well, that's why they, be- they can behave like that is because they know, like, oh, well, you're right. You got me anyway. I got administrative leave. I have, oh, you got, you're getting paid time off because you fucked up that bad. So they're not afraid to get caught. They need yeah. to be afraid to get caught. There needs to be accountability. Hence this whole move, defund the police department. Mm-hmm. And some of that, some of that is like, <clears throat> it's, you know, it's very angry rhetoric and people are taking it. It's like, oh, so you don't want any police officers. It's like, no. Maybe take some of that giant budget that the police have and put it into social programs that could maybe help people or have another program in place that's like, oh, hey, there's a, hey, yeah, there's a violent, you know, there's somebody broke into my house with a gun. That's Mm -hmm. a call to the police. Yeah. Hey, there's a, you know, a mentally ill homeless man kind of ranting a raven with a big two by four in his hand out in the street. Maybe that's a social service call and mm-hmm. not the police. Because it goes back to that every, if all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. If mm-hmm. the police only, they only have their ways to handle things is with force. Well, violent criminals going to get the same force against them as crazy homeless guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, without, without, being, without having discretion. Cool, it's, this guy's a threat. We tase him, we get him down there. Well, now what if you can like... Have social service workers that know how to talk to people that are going through these kind of breakdowns. I don't know, man. It's theorizing. I'm not saying it's better than the other, but... Ha! Dave! (laughs) Any opinions on that? (laughs) Should I go ahead and get into that? Up to you, man. We already spilled the beans in the last episode. Well, I spilled it on the bonus, so on the beyond the bonus episode. Only only a fraction of our audience uh, probably heard that. But hey, to get Dave every used bo- to be, Dave used to be a professional rapper. <laughs> that's and right. That's the people. <laughs> that's why you. you I wish you were a professional gangster rapper. That's why you had a lot of work with firearms. Mm-hmm. No, I'll go ahead and yeah. Um, yeah, let's just jump into it. Uh, like I said on the bonus episode, breaking the news there for the patrons. Uh, for four years, I used to be a cop there. I was a I was the police. 
from 2001 to 2005, and I fucking hated every second of it. Do you prefer uh, police or police? I don't care. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I, it I, I, I have no opinion anymore, by the way. I always held the way that people pronounced it. You could tell whether they were agreeing with them or disagreeing. <laughs> if you say police, you're on their side. If you say yeah. police, you do not like the police. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess now I would say police. Fuck, fucking, yeah, fucking uh, police outside. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a cop for four years. Cobb County, Georgia. And, uh, I'll, you know, if, if you heard the Patreon episode, uh, forgive me for being a bit redundant. Uh, I've got to go back into it for those who didn't hear that episode. But, yeah, four years I was a cop. Uh, it wasn't something that I uh, set out. Uh, it wasn't a, a, a lifelong dream or goal uh, when I was a little boy. It's not like, when I grew up, I want to be a police officer. Uh, it was just a matter of um, I needed a job. I uh, had worked in radio for a few years. I had worked uh, as a tour manager for a few years, and uh, found myself. Uh, I was in, I got engaged to be married to uh, my ex girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, way back in the day. And I just felt like uh, radio. I had I'd been laid off from a radio job because uh, radio was starting to uh, fall apart. Uh, what with technology and and uh, streaming and. Just the writing was on the wall for a lot of radio people, and and, and I was the, I was a casualty, as many radio people were. Of um, uh, I forgot even what the terminology was, but um, like radio conglomerates, uh, big companies were buying up radio oh, stations and Clear and, Channel, and yeah, Clear like Channel, and all that. And and being a live DJ uh, was becoming more and more rare. People, what we call voice tracking, where like one DJ would come in in the middle of the day and voice track other stations and other other markets instead of paying you know 10 djs to do 10 different gigs you pay one guy to come in and voice track 10 different stations and um so i was a cash i was a casualty of uh just the changing dynamic in the radio industry and um so was working odd jobs here and there and i got engaged and uh, had an opportunity a buddy of mine was was a cop in in this uh in this police department was like hey we're hiring uh, you, you should give it a shot, and uh, one thing led to another, and boom, I'm a cop for four years in Cobb County. And, um, I mean, <laughs> from here, where to begin? Um, <laughs> do you, I mean, do you mind if I ask questions? No, ask away. Do, um, we'll do it interview style? Sure. Because I have, I mean, <laughs> things we sure. have and haven't talked about mm-hmm. off and on over the years. Um, well, okay, what can I ask what was attractive about that as a job opportunity versus other things was it like a like oh i'm gonna make this amount of money mm-hmm. absolutely right away, or i'm gonna have these benefits that was exactly what it was um didn't i and i don't know if, how much i've gone into this i i didn't graduate college so i didn't have a college degree i uh i went a year and a half of college and um, and then got into radio and, and other things. So it was about the best paying gig uh, with the best benefits that a guy like me without a four-year degree at that time could get. I was 23, uh, didn't have my college degree, thought I was about to get married, thought I was about to start a family. And I thought, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and radio was my true love back then, but that was kind of heartbreaking of like, eh, I just don't think that's going to pan out because... Well, you do get a radio with being a police officer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, simply it came down to, uh, this is about the best gig I could get at, at this time without a degree. So, 
Okay. That uh, that's what was attractive, and and I and it the department I worked for was one of the highest paid in the state of Georgia, maybe the highest paid. Uh, we were top one or two in the entire state. Uh, great benefits, you know, great retirement, all that stuff, and it was just real attractive to a dumb twenty three year old who thought he was about to start a family. So, um, what? Yeah, that was so my main this motivation. Was you were you were a county. Yeah, yeah, county police. Uh, a lot of counties don't have police forces. You Traditionally, uh, cities have police forces and counties have sheriff departments. And sheriff's, sheriff's yeah. departments usually handle the jails and, and serve warrants and things of that nature. But Cobb County, where I, where I was, and to give uh, a point of reference, Cobb County is uh, one county north of Fulton County, which is Atlanta. So uh, I worked basically, and, and nor- parts of Atlanta were in Cobb County. So um, metropolitan Atlanta, basically, uh, encompassing uh, some parts of North Atlanta, all of Marietta, Georgia, all of Smyrna, Georgia, uh, Powder Springs, Georgia, Mableton, all these smaller towns. But uh, essentially, I was in, in the metro Atlanta area. So, um, yeah. and, and huge population, a uh, lot of activity. So this was... Uh, I mean, it was a pretty intense experience as far as, you know, I wasn't working for some small Mayberry PD. This was uh, yeah. this was pretty intense. I think we had about 800 officers in our department. Um, I think the population of our county was like six or 700,000, uh, more than some rural states' populations. So it, it was basically, you know, city police, like... like Atlanta police. Without it wasn't the city of Atlanta's police department, but I was servicing parts of Atlanta and, and you were the doing Atlanta work. metro area. Yeah, yeah, you weren't helping like ducklings across. Exactly. Yeah, there was a. I got into all kinds of shit. And because uh, you know, within the last week, like a week ago, I put something up online where I'm like, I'm trying to be positive, and like, oh, look at this cop that's you know kneeled with the protesters in mm-hmm. Flint, Michigan, and then my joke was like, well, they're they're not going to. Flint can't protest. There's, they don't have clean water. They're dehydrated. Yeah, but uh, but uh, but then I went from like I'm like I don't want to subscribe to this all delusion bastards mm-hmm. reasoning. But then I thought of it like more in an institutional way, and this is where I want to talk to you about like <clears throat> all right, well, I in my head I'm categorizing three types of police officers: somebody like yourself who just needed a job, mm-hmm. which maybe isn't the best mentality to go into. Law enforcement and uphold an oath of protect and serve. If you're just yeah. like, I'm doing this for a paycheck. Yeah. Or you're or you're a good cop and you got into it for virtuous reasons. But if you're a good cop and there's bad cops and you don't say anything about the bad cops, you're a bad cop. Mm-hmm. And then there's bad cops. Yep. So I found that that's and I'm saying this so you can correct me. I guess I'm asking like you got into it because it was a job. Was there anything? Like with the training of it, where you were surprised at what they what the training did encompass, what it didn't encompass. Was there any kind of thing where like like you got into like you, like once you were a police officer, you're like, well, they, they could have covered this more. I'm not trying to do smear campaigns uh-huh. because you were a cop, and now we get to shit on on them all because mm-hmm. you had your experience. But the, the, a lot of people aren't. Don't have the opportunity to talk that are like angry. Mm-hmm. Don't have the opportunity to directly talk to someone who's a police officer, and so that's where your experience is incredibly valuable to people like me, and probably most of the people. This is the boogie monster would want to be like fuck these cops, mm-hmm. but it's like 
Yeah, but you were one, and you can yeah. not defend or accuse them, but shed some light on and let me preface this by saying I there's no uh, held over sentimentality. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not ashamed of what I did per se, but I'm also not proud of it. Uh, I'm 15 years removed. Uh, 15 and a half years ago is when I stopped being an officer, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I'm not uh, here to uh, be a police apologist. Um, I don't have any sentimentality held over. Uh, I will say that it was a tough job, and and my life was in danger uh, several times. Um, But I think looking back on it, the problem, and I think this relates to why you're seeing the police brutality now, and by the way, it's always been there, and this is not an original idea. It's always been there, but now it's just being filmed. Um, But I was uh, indoctrinated. like They just beat it into your head um, in the police academy, and then when you're out on the street with with an actual precinct. Let's let's avoid using hyperbole, like beat it into your head. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that people can get confused, like, so literally? So probably literally? But they really do. uh, They do push the narrative of... It was basically, if you're in this business long enough, eventually someone will try to kill you. And there was a saying that used to go around, I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6. And I think that's why you see so many overzealous, trigger-happy cops. Uh, and I can I can only speak from my experience in the department and the training that I received. But we really were indoctrinated with, eventually someone will try to kill you. And uh, the term was officer safety. They, we we studied officer safety. Just, I mean, in the academy, that's uh, every day we would watch videos of cops uh, getting killed. Um, and what I mean, it literally, uh, like police dash cameras, uh, videos of traffic stops that resulted in cops' deaths. I bet in the in the, I think I was in the academy for about four or five months. And literally, it was just like going to school. It was, it was when you're in the academy, it was Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, uh, a lot of classroom stuff. Uh, half the day would be spent in the classroom. Half the day would be out doing, like, tactical stuff, like learning how to uh, do, you know, firearms training and, and, and extreme driving training and, and, and how to clear a house and, and, and tactics and fundamentals. But a lot of it was classroom training. And it seems like every day we'd see a video, they'd show us a video of some cop doing something getting killed and then not just for you know gore or whatever but just to show us like all right here's what this officer did wrong and this is why he's dead you know practice your officer safety and um but my point is uh, they really indoctrinated you with you know at some point someone's going to try to kill you and as far as like and here's what i have a problem with now here's what i see as a former cop here's what i see uh, as as being wrong with some of this police brutality, you, the reason a lot of these asshole cops are tasering people who don't need to be tased and and pepper spraying people who don't need to be pepper sprayed is a lot of these officers that I'm seeing on these videos. They don't want to get their hands dirty, and what I mean is they don't want to break a sweat. It's easier and uh, more painful uh, to just tase somebody, someone than to forcefully but safe, safely uh, place them in handcuffs. Um, yeah. For example, God damn, this video of the two Atlanta college students 
They were just in the car and they're surrounded by six officers and they get they just tased the shit out of them. The driver's a young a teenage female. The passenger's like a hundred and ten pound dude. And there's six officers around the car and they just lighten them up with a taser gun. It's like no asshole. If those people are even in trouble, by the way, that's the irony of this one. I don't even think they committed a crime other than I guess they were breaking curfew or whatever. But if you were going to detain somebody or arrest somebody, you place hands on them, and that's a term that we would use a lot, placing hands. And, and you know, violence, people say violence is not the answer. Sometimes it is the answer, and what I mean is if I'm going to arrest you and you're in your car and you don't want to come out, well, common sense says I'm going to try, I'm going to place hands on you, and I'm going to forcefully but safely remove you from that car and place you in handcuffs. I'm not just, just because you're not, just because you're not complying doesn't necessarily mean it's open season, that I can just tase you or pepper spray you. And that's what's so, uh, that's why I get so pissed at all the bullshit that I'm seeing the last couple of weeks. It's like, you know, a lot of these problems could have been resolved a lot more safely if they would have just got their hands dirty. If they'd have broken a sweat and grabbed this dude, and just like the George Floyd thing, and I already said this, but you, he was already in fucking handcuffs and you sat on him for nine fucking minutes. Somebody pick that dude up and place him in the car and he would still be alive. But just this mentality of like, oh, I don't want to get my hands dirty, so I'm going to pepper spray somebody or I'm going to taste somebody, that is absolute fucking bullshit. Can, well, now can I ask, like, and, and admittedly I'm going devil's advocate here. For this, just to find out, like, now say somebody's in a car, they're like, nah, fuck you guys. Like, is there a thinking of like, well, there's a lot of things you can reach inside a car that you can't see from outside of the car? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so to, so to try and physically remove somebody from inside a vehicle when you're outside, knowing that for the most part, tasing and pepper spraying won't be lethal. Yes, and that is going to be their argument. Their, you know, those cops' argument is, well, actually, uh, you know, we caused him a lot less harm by tasering him or, or, or spraying him, but still, that's bullshit. You have to articulate, uh, and that's the other thing that they that they really uh, drove home was, how are you going to articulate this if this goes to trial, well, Officer Stone? Why did you pepper spray my client? When he didn't do anything aggressive towards you, well, I, if he didn't do anything aggressive towards me, I don't really have an answer for that. And yeah, I get that in the long term, maybe a, you know a taser gun or pepper spray is not going to do as much damage. But also, just a hundred and ten pound dude, you grab him out of the car and you place him in handcuffs. That way, you don't have to taser him. It just, I, I just disagree with all that. With all that, it's what? just, it's they're either too lazy or too or too scared to get their hands dirty. And I, I just don't understand that. And the other thing right. you have to keep in mind, and I'm sorry I'm ranting here, but there's a thing no, called no, no. there's a thing called the use of force continuum. And the use of force continuum is, is basically a set of guidelines on how much force you can use in in each situation. And what you're what we were taught is basically you have to match whatever force the suspect is giving to you, you can match that and go one step above. Not two steps, not three steps. And what I mean is if I'm an officer and I'm out here on some sort of call, I come to your house because there's a domestic disturbance or whatever, and your grandma comes out of the bedroom 
with a fly swatter and she's trying to hit me in the face with a fly swatter, mm-hmm. I can't pull out my ass baton and crack her in the skull. Because that would be jumping two or three levels on the use of force did continuum. Say, did you say ass baton? Asp baton, ASP. Oh. That's the little retractable batons that many cops okay. use, or at least they used to. I That's just, what I use. But my point ass is... Ass baton <laughs> is going to play in because we are sponsored by Adam Eve this week. <laughs> so I don't know if... If someone hits a cop with a water balloon, he can't pull out his, co- his gun and shoot you. Because that's skipping several levels on the use of force continuum. Now, if a guy's got a knife, if a crazy dude's got a knife and you're pleading with him to put it down and you give him multiple opportunities to put it down and eventually he doesn't put it down, no one expects me to go in there and do some Bruce Lee shit, hand-to-hand combat combat, and disarm a knife-wielding dude. Then you pull out your taser gun or you pull out your pepper spray and do what you got to do. That's the whole point of less lethal weapons that's a big thing now less lethal the pepper spray is less lethal the ta- the the taser guns the uh, beanbag guns are a big thing um but you you know that's when the, if a guy's got a knife and you want to put it down light him up with a taser and hope that that <laughs> that's a, you but a, 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 a 110 pound college student who's just confused about why you're stopping him and you got six cops yelling at him no, you're a huge pussy if you're using a taser gun i'm sorry well, that's just bullshit that- I've seen a lot of the, you know, like I work in psychotherapy. I'm uh, an emergency room nurse, and we've dealt with drugged out crazy people, yeah. and we've never had to shoot them to get them <laughs> to sedate them. Uh, and that's to be said, like the police presence, what people think of the police, amplifies fear and mm-hmm. nerves. And that's so, that's, I guess, what I want to ask is what were you taught in terms of like, I know sometimes you don't have the choice to sit there and analyze a situation when mm-hmm. it's life or death. But as yeah. far as de-escalation versus force, is it? I mean, it's it's easy to be like, oh, cool. Well, we tried de-escalation, and now an, an officer got shot. So Dead- now, fuck de-escalation. We come in with force. Deadly force. But what is- were you taught in the way of that? Because because like like you're saying, like if a cop's chicken shit, well, what if a cop like again? A cop just took a job because they needed a job. That's the wrong reason to be a cop. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and yeah. that's that turned out to be my case because I I quickly learned that I should. This isn't the gig for me. I, I don't have. Uh, I just. I don't have that desire to just. I, I want to say somebody, fuck people over. I'm not saying all cops fuck people over, but like I just didn't no, have but that. Somebody's des- a doctor because they love money. It's like exactly. Man, I'm not going to that doctor. Mm-hmm. True. But the whole point of the use of force continuum, it, it was to gain the upper hand in a way that A, resolves the conflict or the threat, and B, causes as little injury as possible to the suspect. And yes, they could argue that pepper sprays, you know, you'd rather get pepper sprayed than get your arm broke. But uh, also, you could have, in many of these cases, you could have uh, done neither. You could have not used the pepper spray and not broken his arm if you just weren't afraid to place hands on somebody and detain them. And But to answer your question, like, use of force, I mean, deadly force, that is literally the last option. I mean, you utilize deadly force when you you have exhausted all other options, and that's my point. I don't see a lot of these cops exhausting many options. I just see, oops, I, I I'm going to pepper spray you now, or I'm going to I'm going to well, tase you now. 
But what? But so in your so you said four or five months was the training period. Mm-hmm. That, that's the part I'm fascinated with. Is like what do you have to go to before you are, for lack of a better term, boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. You have a gun. You have a badge. Here's your car. You are a police officer. Yeah. Well, here's here's it's, what I went through. Um, the hiring process was fairly extensive. It took me about a year to get hired. Uh, from that initial open call test, there's like some sort of open call, like that very first step, you show up at some government building, and there's 200 dudes that look just like you, and you take, you take uh, I think the first step was some sort of written exam, just to make sure that you can add two plus two, and, and, and you have a little bit of common sense and intellect. And then I remember I took, uh, I had to go back and do some psychological exams. There was, there was a lot of psychological testing. Um, then there was physical testing. There was, there was a PT test. They want to make sure that you're somewhat fit enough. Um, I remember, I forgot what mine was, but it was, it was fairly, I mean, it, I'm not going to say it was like trying to make an NFL team, but no, it weeded out the, the, the slobs. I've always I, I've made the joke probably here before, but no, there's certain occupations where the uniform should not come in double extra large. Yeah, yeah, no, Which, agreed. Just, in Chicago, where you're like they made a police uniform that size, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's got to be a violation. Yeah, and we had we had standards. If uh, you we had to take the PT test every year, and if you failed it, you got suspended. I think you got one or two more chances to take it, but if you failed it like two or three times in a row, you're fired. Oh, that, yeah, that's the most obvious. Like, oh, you don't think the police department's looking out for their own corrupt? Let's see a fucking three hundred fifty pound Chicago police department officer. They finally gave him a fucking ATV with street tires because there's no way he's walking a beat. Mm-hmm. Like that guy's going to chase a suspect. Yeah. This guy. Yeah, it's not three hundred fifty pounds of muscle. <laughs> no. But no, and we had, I knew got, guys that, that guy's got, got three bulletproof vests velcroed to each other to make around his torso. Yeah. No, I knew guys that I don't know if I knew anybody that ever got fired, but I definitely knew knew guys that got suspended. And it's like, all right, man, you gotta you gotta lose twenty pounds and figure out how to pass that PT well, test. But is there some security in knowing that if you're a cop, cops look out for cops and it's gonna be real hard to get fired or ever lose that job? Well, like, here's the I'm just, I'm, What's attractive about the job to somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't want to be a cop, but they want this idea of job security mm-hmm. in 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 areas like we talked about in it, like there's shitty parts of the country where you don't have a lot of options. Yeah, like yeah. we're saying, hey, join the military. Oh, you want to get away from, uh, you know, you got some criminal charges. Well, we need soldiers. Hmm. Well, here's Not the that they would pick that for police, but you know what I mean. Here's the problem with that. The whole cops looking out for each other thing. All right. They really preached that whole brotherhood mentality. And yes, there is a bond that forms between police officers or anybody, any coworkers, who experience intense and dangerous situations together. But these shithead cops can't separate the distinction between I got your back if you're in danger against rather than I got your back if you're in trouble. If we're on a call together and the shit has hit the fan, I'll do whatever I can do to help make sure that you are safe. 
But I'm not obligated to help you do something shitty or help you cover up the shitty thing that you did. And that's the problem you're seeing, like with the Buffalo officers and then why not. Don't don't give me this brotherhood bullshit. As a fellow officer, it is my duty to you when we're out on the beat, when the shit hits the fan and we're on these hot calls, it's my obligation to make sure that you're safe. But it ain't my obligation to help you because you fucked up and you did something shitty. <clears throat> yeah. Can I, for, for reference, training day, L.A. Confidential, better yeah. call Saul. Great yeah. examples. <laughs> and, and that's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's, it's these idiots that are just, it's like anybody that just has blind loyalty. You know, I talk about blind loyalty to Trump. But like, mm-hmm. blind, hey, hey, fellow officer, yeah, we, we have the same experiences. We're in the same danger. It's my job to make sure you're safe. It is not my job to help you do something shitty or to help you cover it up. On that, you're on your own. Fuck off. What in the training? I mean, obviously, like, okay, here's, you know, like you said, tactical training and and driving Mm -hmm. training. Now, in the written exams, is there like de escalation techniques taught? Like, here's a person exhibiting signs of being on this drug. They're not armed, but they're erratic and they're physically violent without a weapon. How do you handle it? Like, is that kind of stuff addressed? Yeah, I believe that stuff was addressed, yeah. but I, I think the problem I have is that may have been addressed, and we have made receive we may have received training in that, but it was no not nearly as prevalent as that mentality. I mean, a lot of these officers they have this mentality of I mean, they're just scared to death that someone's going to kill them. So it's when yeah. when you go around and and you're fearful of your own life, and I'm not even I'm saying. I'm not justifying their behavior. I'm saying this is why they behave this way. If, you, if you've been indoctrinated with this belief that eventually someone's going to try to kill you, then that I'd rather be tried by uh, 12 than carried by six mentality. That's why you see these trigger-happy cops. It's, yeah, I may be breaking policy or breaking the law, but at least I ain't dead. It's like, well... It's like a mere, mere them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much a mere them. And... uh and I don't want, yeah, I don't want this to sound like, well, everybody's just innocent out there and these cops are all entirely oh, mean. I know that's not, not the case. Mm-hmm. And that's why I can't, I, I, as much as like the, the all cops are bastard things, like you, you, you realize like you, you're doing a, I know you were always scared to talk about being a cop. And I was always like, no, your perspective will help people understand that there's, there are human beings yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that are police officers. Mm-hmm. I knew more police officers growing up than I did black people. Really? That was the commu- that, yeah, that was the community I was from. I knew more people that like went on to become police, which isn't a lot in either group. Because I knew probably at least in my hometown <clears throat> knew like zero black people, but maybe two or three people that became police officers mm-hmm. and <clears throat> people who were friends that were more like. I didn't meet anybody diverse until I started comedy. Until mm-hmm. I left the Burbs and started doing... I mean, I did at college, but that I hung out with that were friends, it was from mm-hmm. comedy. Yeah. Not for any lack of anything. It's just where I grew up. It was all uh, white and Latino kids. My friends were white and Latino. So, that was... Yeah. But then, okay, we got a job. We stay in our hometown. We're starting a family here. What job can you have that you could stay close to home? Fire department, mm-hmm. uh, police department. EMT work for the city, some sort of city job. Um, I'm sorry, we got off track, but no, that's all right. I guess, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of wondering 
when you like so when you were trained and put out like did you feel like you were provided with the tools after your training yeah we got put into yeah uh like i said we were we were one of the better police departments in the state and uh, I didn't finish answering your question, but I think I spent about five months in the police academy, God, and then and then once you graduate from that, um, you get assigned to a precinct in the uh, in what we call like the patrol division, and but you don't go out on your own. I think I'm trying to remember how long it was. I think it was about three or four months after you after you get out of the academy, you're assigned to a precinct. We had five precincts in Cobb County. I was assigned to precinct number three. Just not that that matters. But uh, then you're assigned to what's called an FTO, a field training officer, uh, kind of a middle management, not necessarily a sergeant. This These officers didn't necessarily have rank. Uh, I mean, they technically did. It was like PO3. There was, I was a PO1. Then there's a PO2. Then there's a PO3. Then there's sergeant, lieutenant, and commander, and what, and what have you. It's like your belts in karate. <laughs> yeah. but um, So I, I was assigned to an FTO, a field training officer, who was probably a PO, PO3. Um, and I, I was just his partner. We were partners for like three or four months. I mean, he was he was my superior, but it was um, we didn't have uh, partners per se uh, in our department. A lot of times, I don't know how LAPD does it, but it was uh, normally it was just one car, one officer, one car. We had what were called okay. beat partners in that precinct. For example, my precinct was divided up into about thirteen different beats. Um, so the entire department, the entire county, was divided up into five precincts, and then within that precinct, we had a subset of beats. So within that precinct number three, uh, that territory was divided up into thirteen beats, and each officer was assigned a beat. And your beat partner, if I'm if I'm beat number 12, then beat number 13 is my beat partner. And what that means is whenever I go to a priority call uh, or he goes to a priority call or her, we're responsible to back each other up. So okay. any, any call that I receive that might need some backup, it is my beat partner's responsibility to come and back me up. Uh, but that being said, we didn't have partners, you know, two officers didn't ride in a car together no, un- unless you were a, uh, a recruit. I think, I, yeah, I think I was still called a recruit, unless an FTO and a recruit are together. So to answer your and question, who- five months of the police academy and three or four months then of riding with an FTO, and then after that... I was on my own, boots on the ground. What was it? I, I, I think, because some of my things, like, okay, you know, this whole defund the police and just completely restructure the entire concept of what the police force is. Mm-hmm. Because the people are thinking that the whole system's bad. The way that mm-hmm. police are trained, the way that, because they're trained by someone who's older and so supposedly wiser is can give them bad information. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, was your FTO, what was their attitude towards, were they kind of like, I mean, did they try to indoctrinate you with beliefs that were their own, that weren't necessarily the police departments, or like, hey, you're going to deal, or were they kind of more diplomatic and by the by the book and proper? Um, that's a good or question. Or third thing, as Andy Kindler would say. <laughs> it was a little of both. Um, there's... The guidelines that are laid out weren't always followed to a T. And and what I mean is, at the end of the day, 
because it was so indoctrinated in our brain. At the end of the day, whether we did legally what we were supposed to do or not, at the end of the day, the most important thing is you going home. There was that was just that's all anybody cared about. Well, that and this is a whole nother can of worms. But uh, the reason I got quickly disgruntled with the job is um, part of the job, I guess, is helping people and responding to nine one one calls. But another huge part of the job is raising funds. They really stats. It was a very stat driven mentality. And what I mean by stats is, mm-hmm. hey Stone, how was your shift? How many tickets did you write? How many arrests did you make? They were really interested in stats. And that becomes a problem when I talked about beat partners. That becomes oh, a that's problem. Ra- that's raising funds, not oh. like the whole, uh, hey, I'm, I'm walking around like the fire department walking no, around no, 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 traffic no. to get money. No, no, no. When I say raising funds, yeah. I mean let's write as many tickets as we can. Let's take as many people to jail as we can. There was a lot of officers with the mentality, and we talk about discretion, There were so many fucking idiots that I worked with that had the mentality of, if I can take you to jail, I am taking you to jail. Meaning, if you've technically broken any law and it's an arrestable offense, I'm taking you. Rather than use discretion. Because you would get rewarded. We wouldn't get bonuses or anything per se, but you got rewarded when you had good stats. Rewarded in... You know, promotions or trans, you know, desirable transfers. Um, and that's what quickly turned me off was just, and, and okay, but what I was about to say with beat partners, here, here's an example of why uh, focusing too much on stats is not a good thing. I, my beat partner, I had a beat partner one time who was just, just a stat Nazi. Just all he did all night long was stop cars and write tickets. And then at the end of the night, He's turning in 20 citations. Hey, look at you, Tom. You sure did have a good night. Way to go. You're a great cop. Uh, But while he's writing those 20 tickets, I probably went to five or six dangerous calls by myself with no backup because my dipshit beat partner is too concerned with writing a speeding ticket than backing up his buddy who might go to a call that might get him stabbed or beat up or shot. And that's where I differed with the status quo mentality. I was more interested in trying to just do the right thing and help people, and I was less interested in writing tickets. I fucking, I didn't like writing tickets. Remember but, how everybody waved at cops until you got your driver's license? Like, mm-hmm. you were doing 11 miles an hour over. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now, here, now here's a ticket, now your insurance fucked, and yes, okay, I did the wrong thing, mm-hmm. but man, does a warning go a long way, yeah. and the idea of, does the empty cop car, <clears throat> are you? do you want to make money, or do you want to prevent crime? Because mm-hmm. exactly. putting the empty cop car where people see it and then slow down would prevent the thing you want, mm-hmm. but you don't get any money out of that. Exactly. Putting up the whole, hey, you're speeding fucking lights. Be careful. That prevent that prevents, but it doesn't make you any money. Yeah, no. That was the whole the whole red light cameras that everybody was like, oh, these things are dodgy. Mm-hmm. And also, you're helping paint a picture of the police of like, oh, fucking, I got this guy gave me seven miles an hour over the speed limit. Fucking now, now you've made me have an attitude towards the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm contradicting myself when I've said before where like if I am speeding give me the ticket and just be like you were doing this much over I'm giving you the ticket mm-hmm. don't give me the uh, well you were doing 
19 over, but I'm going to say you were doing 9 over, so you don't have to pay that much. Yeah. Because then you're just showing me that you get to make up the facts. Yeah, absolutely. Even though, even though you're doing it in my favor, at, at the first part, you're like, wow. But, and, and you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, because maybe that is, hey, shit, this cop could have really pinched me for a harder thing, but he didn't. And I did break the law. So maybe somebody would come away from that thinking, okay about the police, because they didn't do that to me. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you could be like, you've just proven that you can change these stats however you need fit. You did it in my favor, yeah. but what's to say that the next person, you do it opposite in their favor? Yeah. So, uh, out of their favor, I guess the phrase would be. Sorry. I, uh, anyway, go on. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm very hesitant to really put any of my dumb opinions in, because it's fascinating no. to listen to this stuff, Dave, and I'm very glad you've decided to talk about this. It was fun. The time you told us you were a cop for the first time, we were <laughs> drunk in the ocean. <laughs> oh, off, yeah. <laughs> off Waikiki Beach. Six we, years we, ago. We both had old uh, whiskey Cokes that we brought out into mm-hmm. the surf with us. And it was you, me, and Ryan Singer. Yep. And the sun went down as we sat out there, and the moon was out. We were all drunk, and I think at this point we decided we didn't need swimsuits anymore. I don't know why that was yeah, part of it. Why not? And then you're like, I got to t- tell you guys something. We're like, oh, that's wild. Dave's gay. And then, <laughs> and then you're like, I used to be a cop. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> that's, I thought we were going a different way, mm-hmm. which uh, I would have support, I, I supported you either way. But he told us we were a cop when we were all nude on Waikiki Beach. <laughs> <laughs> And to rehash what I said on the bonus episode, the reason I've kept it a secret all these years is, you know, I'm already a straight, white, southern male in comedy. I just thought I didn't need another strike against me, you know. But I I, I just, it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to advertise. So that's why I decided to, and and to this moment right now, uh, I mean, as far as my career is concerned, I'd never... I've I've never revealed it uh, in a public form other than last week on the bonus episode, but I've told maybe five or six of my closest comedy friends, but uh, yeah, I've never done material about it. I, it's always been something I wanted to keep close to the vest in terms of my career just because I thought, how could it help me? Like, oh, he's a cop. Fuck that guy. We're not listening to him anymore. I've, you've done more. Do you understand you've upheld the idea of protect and serve more than most police officers? Because you so. protect... In your constant patrolling and street justice. <laughs> and you serve by becoming a comedian, being like, let me try and bring some joy to your life. <laughs> and then after I bring you joy, if shit goes down in the parking lot, I got your back. Yeah. You've done more to protect and serve as a civilian than police officers are doing, as far as I'm concerned. I got your back. It's not worth much with me. Like, <laughs> well, put him up, buddy. But, uh, and I've told you, like, I think it's, I think all you can do is provide some insight that people are lacking because people are angry and we are painting uh, police with a, with a broad brush right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you can throw a little insight in there. And that's, I think that's nothing less than incredibly valuable right now. Well, and at all, thank you. So you're doing, I think you're doing a good thing, man. And I don't think, I can't imagine what kind of backlash uh, you'd get 
Well, and from, I don't not from anybody you'd like want their respect in the first place. Quite frankly, I don't. Out there. Yeah, I don't care at this point. And also, like the re, like I just said, I, the reason I've held on to it is because I thought it would, you know, maybe one day hurt my career. At this point, I don't give a fuck. I, I'm over. I, that's a whole nother can of worms about my ideas about my career, but. Uh, I, I I no longer give a shit about that. Let me and we'll. There's a lot more to get into, and we'll get into part B of this next week. Um, and I'll repeat this quick story that you that the patrons have already heard. But talk about discretion. That's why I have, and I've had many encounters with the police in the last 15 years since I stopped being a cop. And uh, don't give me this fucking bullshit about there's nothing I can do. Hey. Hey, I already started writing the ticket. There's nothing I could do. Bullshit. The whole concept of of giving an officer a badge and a gun is, is is discretion. Hey, you go out there and you use your judgment the way you see fit, and and hopefully you're going to do the right thing. But talk about discretion. Like we had so much power in terms of what we chose to do and not do as far as handling. Uh, suspects or handling people that we came across with uh, came across in terms of should we arrest them or should we get them a ticket there was so much leeway so much discretion here's an example of discretion the entire four years and again apologies to people who have already heard this story but the entire four years that I was a cop uh, was right in the middle of my relation my nine-year relationship with my ex-girlfriend who was at that time my fiance and the whole time I was a cop my my fiance was a huge pothead. <laughs> so talk about a moral dilemma, okay? And I didn't judge her, you know. I, I didn't. I I just come from radio. I just come from tour managing metal bands. I was no stranger to to drugs, uh, even though I didn't partake myself. It's not like I'm some little church boy, sheltered church boy who never had exposure to that. I, I didn't give a shit. I didn't judge her. Uh, and and this was 15 years ago, way before it's legal or socially accepted the way it is now. But it didn't bother me because I was smart enough to know that it's. All it does is make her giggle and write poetry. Why this is not <laughs> this is not a big deal. So lock her up. In those four years of me being a police officer and having a fiance who was the biggest pothead I knew, do you know how many weed related arrests I made? Fucking zero. I can honestly say, I can honestly look myself in the mirror and sleep sound at night knowing that not once in four years, and in those four years, probably 500 opportunities to arrest somebody with marijuana, not once did I do it. That's fucking discretion. And and it was so, it got to the point to where like other officers are like, Stone, what the fuck you doing? Why are you cutting this guy a break? And I couldn't say because my girlfriend's a pothead, but I was just like, nah, there's, there's other shit to worry about. I, well, I literally, I cut, I bet there was 500 people I cut loose that I could have arrested or at least cited for, for weed, and I didn't do it. That's fucking discretion. You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to build a case that I was this great cop or this great moral person, but it was just on that little that little factor on that little topic, I was just, I, I used to think that's the fucking least I can do is not, you know, how could I, how could I arrest somebody for weed and then go home and watch my girlfriend s- smoke a joint? So I was like, well, if nothing proves, else, that, I'm but, not going to do that. That proves me being a loudmouth jerk for saying like, well, just do what the law says if you're going to be a cop because 
I don't think that you would have planted drugs on somebody to get the thing you wanted out of them, but you did you like you did what's right instead of what's the law. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's common sense? I mean, and not just weed. There was many, many, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not building my case up for next week's episode. But I would be glad if I got pulled over with weed and didn't get busted for it. Yeah. But yet, as I'm sitting here saying, like, well, give me the speeding ticket I deserve because all you're doing is proving that you can break the rules how you want. And so maybe I was a loudmouth right there. Well, and incorrect about things. But realizing maybe I should appreciate it, officer. That is uh, utilizing discretion, mm-hmm. but then again, if you want to have that discretion, why are you a cop? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. then that discretion uh, could lend the other way. Mm-hmm. If you're a cop, that's not going to go with what's the protocol, but wh- how I feel, which is the big thing now. Everybody's going, look, here's that eight can't wait, and here's these eight steps that we need to teach police officers now. And so, every the argument against is like. If they're already not following the rules they have, why would you give them more rules? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. Gonna, they're already not following these rules. Why are you going to give them more? Fuck it, defund it. Dead, you know, take the guts out of it and reshape it entirely. Yeah. So, no, and it is a hey. tough job, but that doesn't. You know, again, not an apologist. I'm. If anything, I'm the other way. It's a tough fucking job, but hey, man, no one made you do it, and if you're gonna do it, do it fucking right. And, and and don't fuck people over. It was just common sense. I was about to say, not just with weed, but there were so many times where I would cut people breaks because you have to you have to look at each individual case and each individual person and you have to ask yourself what's best for this situation right now. There were times, for example, this is an example. This is a, a judge's job though. Well, yeah. But also, like, I remember one time there was some domestic squabble and the guy there was no like there were certain things i didn't have a lot of discretion or tolerance on like dudes beating up their women hey fucking handcuffs fuck you yeah figure it out you know there i i had very little tolerance for shit like that but there were other cases where okay a guy i don't know there, there's a a family a husband and a wife and three kids and he's the only you know she's not working because she's taking care of the kids and they're living in a one-bedroom apartment it's obvious they don't have a lot of money and maybe this guy did something questionable outside of violence like 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 i said with, with especially with domestic violence fuck you you know fuck off you're going to jail but other things okay yeah i find a fucking weed pipe or i find some weed on a guy and he's got three little kids and his wife doesn't work because she's taking care of the kids. Is it best for this family that this guy goes to jail tonight and maybe loses his job and is in jail for a week and has to come up with thousands of dollars of bail money? No. Like, you just have to use discretion and use common what, fucking what sense. If it's, what if it's a crack pipe? Still, like, I mean, it depends on the exact situation, but... I'm saying this yeah. mentality of you you committed a crime, you go into jail because I'm a robot who can't think for myself. Like, man, fuck off with that shit. But isn't that the whole checks and balances? Like, you enforce those rules and the judge is the judge, so that's why they get the final say, but you have to take all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm only throwing mm-hmm. stuff at you, Dave. I'm not trying to be a dick. No, and and you may not be wrong. I'm saying if y'all, if, 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 this, if my city or my county or my department is going to grant me with the authority to make decisions, sometimes I'm going to make decisions that benefit this family rather than tear it apart, you know? 
Which is funny because, like, all right, now who would view that as poor training that you thought you could make those decisions on your own? And who would view that as we need more training to allow officers to have this type of discretion? But when it bounces back and they do wind up in court, it's like, it, it's unfor- unfortunately, it, like, remember my dad saying something about like getting rear ended by a bunch of drunk dudes. And then being like, oh, can you please? There's not a lot of damage. Can you please just be like, it's all these guys that were drunk and rear-ended them in the car. And then getting a summons like, oh, you're being sued by these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, uh, oh, like, I, like when I went to, like when I got my ticket for, I got went through, a, I rolled through a stop sign on my bicycle. Like I went to court. I'm like, mm-hmm. let me see this play out. Because I have legitimate questions that i want answered and if my tax dollars are going towards this i'm going to take the day off of work Mm -hmm. and i went to court and the officer showed up and he had his little whiteboard with showing where i'm like okay i'm not going to deny that on a bicycle in the street i rode through a stop sign but pedestrian there's a pedestrian right-of-way law in this city Mm -hmm. so if i was on the sidewalk i would have been considered a pedestrian yes that's correct so I wouldn't have had to stop because I'm a pedestrian. I have a right of way. So if I would have been on my bicycle on the sidewalk, which in that area, it was residential, so it was legal. If it was in this neighborhood, like downtown area, it would have been illegal. If I would have gone through there, I actually would have been the right. Is Just can you answer me that that's true? And the judge is like, we're not here to go over what ifs. Mm. I was just trying to pose a situation mm-hmm. where what I did is not worth the fucking $200 I now have to pay the city of Burbank, California. Yeah. Nah, fundraisers, man. And, that's that's what it was all about. Well, and that's why I'm, I'm like, all right, I didn't have to go to any, like, would you give a 13-year-old this ticket that did not have to go to, did not have to do any uh, driver school to know that a bicycle is subjected? Like, do you have to get a license to dri- ride a bicycle? You don't? Oh, shit, sorry, hold on. <laughs> Oops, sorry about that. Like if you don't have to, if you don't have to get a license to ride a bicycle, how are you supposed to know these laws? Mm-hmm. So if I was somebody that was you know underage, never had to get a driver's license, went through a stop sign, would I still be qualified to get a ticket, even though I was never taught that a bicycle had to stop for that? Of which you're not taught that in driver's ed. You're taught in your motor. Ed. Anyway, I put all this shit at him, and I just got a judge saying we're not here to argue hypotheticals. And the officer who pulled me over followed me out of the courtroom. He was like, man, that's a real good argument. I'm like, yeah, I fucking know. <laughs> Why he wasn't this part in your head? Why wasn't mm-hmm. this in your Well, and it's also because he still had to put on a bulletproof vest that day. Because at some point in his day, he might not be pulling over some fucking idiot going to his day job on a bicycle. He might later be shot at. So I'm sitting there trying to make his day miserable because of this. I don't know, man. I'm sorry. That's a selfish way to say. I think you're doing the right thing by talking about this stuff, Dave. I hope. I hope you're not inundated with questions about, like, well, one time I did this, mm-hmm. and the police did this. So, I mean, I see both sides of it. I really do. And uh, just because I was an officer doesn't mean that I have sympathy for these ones that are in the news now that are just completely acting out of line, like. 
there's just <laughs> some of this stuff. Like I said, I said this on the on the uh, bonus. Like some officer involved deaths are very gray. Oh, he had a gun, but he didn't point it at me, or his he he had a bulge in his pants and he didn't show me his hands, and I thought he had a gun. Some of this shit, no, there's no gray. George Floyd's death, there's no gray area. So the the, the Buffalo cops pushing the 75-year-old, I mean, these are just fucking, are you an idiot or are you an asshole? Do you not know how to do your job, mm-hmm. or do you know what you're doing and you don't care that you're doing it wrong? Like, there's just, there's no excuse for that. And the whole argument of, you know, you don't like being a cop, no one made you do it, it's, it's totally true. For the last year of my police career for the last year I was in the hiring process for the fire department. I was trying very hard to get out of that gig. I didn't have the balls to just quit cold Turkey because I needed the income and I didn't have any, a lot of other options at the time, but I was making steps and taking steps to try to, because I, you know, I just realized that this ain't for me and my heart's not in it. And I don't, I don't need to be a cop anymore. And, uh, I'll tell you the rest of that story next week. There's some nice twists <laughs> twist and turns to that, but well, uh, I, I get, I guess, yeah. For all the, all I guess the defund the police is like for all the riot gear that they can afford. What mm-hmm. if for every third riot gear cop was a some sort of not riot gear representative of the state that's here to be a liaison between angry protesters and mm-hmm. f- cops in full riot gear. To discuss things and be like, hey, before anybody here wants to go flying off the handles, let's discuss wants and needs and be a legion of professional negotiators. I'm sure this is just a liberal dream that I have that I hope for, uh, you know, that I've not thought out because I've drank my moonshine throughout the course of the last hour and a half (laughs) and we're here. Dave, how do you feel, man? I feel, I feel okay. Yeah. Next week's think, gonna be next. Next week's gonna be more of a challenge. Well, I think I think especially now it's Monday and so yesterday they had continuing protests, which is good. Uh, as we talked earlier, it's gonna be weird if nobody if 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 it's not reported that oh there's no really spike in COVID cases because mm-hmm. I feel unfortunately that information is just gonna fuel the right. To be like, see, it was a hoax, and that will like add, add you know, empower that side, mm-hmm. uh, which that's not what I want. But uh, I am glad that the protests are happening. I think you talking about this is only helpful, man. Well, thanks, buddy. I know you had to come out of the blue closet <laughs> for all this. Uh, but yeah, I just want to make clear, you know, I'm definitely. <laughs> Definitely not a police apologist. Uh, I got a lot of opinions on what I experienced and what I'm currently seeing on the news. And uh, this is just one one man's story, one man's experience. And uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think that's why I get so angry watching what's going on today. Is not to keep hammering this point, but the shit that's not gray. The shit that is so, for lack of a better term, black and white, of like, fuck you. Well, you're do, I, yeah, you're I, bad at your job, and you're costing people's lives and health, and, and, and fuck, fuck you with your stupid well, robotic reaction, you know? And the shift from the, yeah, the Black Lives Matter and, 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 the, and the race issue into like, 
Well, it's also about police brutality. How will we solve this as police? By demonstrating brutality. Like, oh, yeah. guys. Yeah. Oof. You got a horrible PR campaign going on right now. Yeah. Oh, and it's- just the just the idea that they get that they will always just get. Oh, they got suspended. Oh, they've been reprimanded. No, fired and or a legal action taken towards mm-hmm. that stuff. Like and, and you know and again the idea is that like <laughs> tie it into their pension. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tie it into like the u- union, like the police union that's going to just always back them no matter what happens. Yep. And that's. Now, now here I am advocating for breaking up a union, which is not the belief I had in other areas, because unions provide protections for workers, idealistically in a good way, but mm-hmm. not always. U- unions can be bullies. If the union is made up of people that are already kind of bullies, what kind of union do you think you're going to have? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in the, I was in the. Bakers, confectioners, and tobacco workers. <laughs> Which is, now I realize, I'm like, well, ATF doesn't make sense. Well, how about the bakers and the confectioners being lumped in with the <laughs> tobaccos? Oh, that was in the bakers, confectioners, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. There you go. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Let me say this real quick, just pivoting. Just you, you brought this to my mind when you said Black Lives Matter. Um, and I'm not going to speak for you, Kyle, but I will speak for my half of the Boogie Monster. Yeah, if you're one of these dickheads that have to remind people that all lives matter, uh, please find another podcast. I don't need you, and I don't want you. Uh, what well, a I'm, I'm very stupid <laughs> fucking argument that is. Yeah, yeah, we are aware that all lives matter, uh, but it's the black ones that are getting killed by the police right now. That's what the fuck we're talking about. You're talking about idiot or an asshole. Are you too yeah, fucking stupid is. to realize the point of Black Lives Matter, or do you realize that you're just an antagonist fucking asshole? Fuck your all that, lives matter bullshit. That's just noise trying to squash an issue. God, what a stupid, lame fucking argument. Yeah, that's all that is. All lives, but yeah, no I, shit. What, what if, we're, what if we're right aware. now I took? What if right now I took a stance of like, thanks you for just separating us right now, Dave. Because all lives do matter. So really, you gotta think about that. And I don't know. Yeah, no, that's just that's just an effort to mentality. That is a that is a, a, and its worst is a, just a fucking way to squash the concept. And at its uh, uh, least worst, it's just people that are afraid and don't realize what Black Lives Matter mean mm-hmm. and are misinterpreting it as an idea of aggression, which it's not. We've, all, it's, we've already done All Lives Matter. We already agree on what you're saying. But within that, some of them need a little boost. Ugh. And I'll listen to that argument from... Latinos or Native Americans, but I don't want to hear fucking white people shout out lives matter. Yeah, yeah, no shit, you fucking no. Idiot. If, any, if I mean anything, I've said it's like you know Latinos and Native Americans jumping in, but like Black Lives Matter, we got you. Yeah, like those groups have been treated any better? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and it is it's a good time to like, hey, it's all it's all read some books, man. It's not some pandering like I'm. Oh, just this, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be full white guilt, but what, why, why is the idea of learning about other cultures so taboo? Yeah. Like you're some, like you're scared, like you're upset with that, you're at your whiteness. No, man, learn about other people, 
just brings us all together. Mm-hmm. We're all human beings. Let's all all get down. And that's where somebody says, we'll see. So all lives matter. Shut your fucking mouth. That was a, yeah, it was a thing I got in on Instagram. Or something. I was like, well, I think we just need more American pride. And that'll get, because America is filled with different people. And will bring us all again. I'm like, my man. Cops kill more white people than they kill black people. Yeah, do your fucking math with the uh, demographics there, idiot. Yeah, there's a lot more white people in America yeah. than there are black people. But uh, we're not necessarily worried about the end number. We're more worried about the percentages. The percentage of black people being murdered by the police is much greater than the percentage yeah. of white people being murdered by the police. So stick that argument up your fucking ass, too. Anyway, Sorry. All cops are bastards except for Dave Stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, I was changing that, change that phrase to all cops are broken. <laughs> bastards, bastards accusatory. Broken just means they, the factory's machinery has been wrong for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. We got to fix the factory. Yeah. That's how I'm looking at it. We got we to fix, fix the machine that makes them. Oh boy! I'll hey, tell man. I'll tell you the second <laughs> half of my story next week. Um, you got any You got any racial justice recipes? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called empathy. <laughs> get you get you some empathy. Throw it in there. Mm. Chop up some garlic. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I say, man, you throw a bunch of southern recipes around already. You got a good handle on that stuff. Soul food, <laughs> what have you? Oh, I felt that's where I felt like fucking double folded down on racism shit. Where it's like support black owned businesses. Hell yeah, I'll support black owned businesses. Ah oh, man, I'm a vegetarian, and a lot of these are chicken places. It's <laughs> racist. It's racist for me to notice it, but then it's also uh, me trying to be supportive, but then also not wanting to eat meat, but also fucking loving chicken mm-hmm. and uh, just. Ah, oh, I don't know how to do the right thing. <laughs> Give me all the sides you got. Just let me buy. Let me buy that bucket of coleslaw off you all in the back. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to do right by you, and I'm trying to do right by me. Okay, so just give me all the biscuits you got, and I'll get out of your hair. Oh man. Um, I mean, we could do a comic of the week. There's, there's, there's a ton of great black comedians that you should follow, but I'm just going to throw this out. In lieu of Comic of the Week, uh, a damn good documentary that people should watch if you haven't already seen it. It's on Netflix. It's simply called 13th. Have you seen that, 13th? I uh, have not. It, it, that's one of those, like, oh. It's am heavy. I ready, am I ready to have Am I ready mm-hmm. to have that moment? I love it's 13th Amendment, freeing the slaves. I love that, that uh, this is probably a comedic premise that's been done but i i I like that it took it took 13 uh swings at it to finally get to that one with Mm -hmm. the amendments but yeah it's a hell of a documentary uh i watched it the other night and uh it talks about basically the premises uh how blacks are treated in the judicial system and the prison system in america and uh yeah it's it's a good watch not not necessarily fun and uplifting but it's something uh that, that people need to see no, but like, yeah, okay. Hey, take take a couple hours to be uncomfortable and think mm-hmm. about what other folks in the country that you want to be great again. Yeah, think about other people that have never thought it to be great. 
yeah. and take a little bit of time. And I'm talking to myself right now. Mm-hmm. So everybody says, like, you can buy weed in a place that looks like the Apple store now. Why is anybody in prison for marijuana? Yeah. If you can buy it legally on the outside, you should not be locked up for it. So the no. states that are taking, like, all right, anybody that's just marijuana charges, that's why you're in prison, Get you're fine. Yes, please. That's ridiculous. Oh, Which is predominantly black people. Black people spending charges. years in prison for marijuana. But who's that white fuckface that raped the girl behind the dumpster and served six months? Tell me there's not inequality oh, in our guy, judicial that system. Guy better, that, guy better, that guy's whole time being free should just be having to change his entire name every God. week because somebody finds out who he is and where he lives. Fuck that dude. Oh, boy. Uh, All right. All right. Want to land this one, Dave? <laughs> Might as well. I don't have any recipes today. Not in the That's mood. That's all right. Hey, go support a black-owned business in your town. Yes, absolutely. Get some food. Well, like, you know, like it's always been, like, uh, you know, black or anywhere where, like, the poor people had to make the most out of the shittiest leftovers. Mm-hmm. That's just good eating. Yeah, soul now food. Been, now, now, yeah, now it's been celebrated. Mm-hmm. That yes. was just like, here, you get you get this leftover. All right, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, no plugs this week. It's not about us. It's uh, just, I don't know. Just try to fucking do the right thing. Try to show some empathy. <laughs> well, you're doing the right thing about talking about being a cop. I'm sure we have a few more episodes worth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, right, buddy. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Have a good week. Be safe. Be uh, shit, man. Be nice. Be nice. Holler at your boys. Holler at your boys. The Boogie Monster.
Podcast Network.